Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we will be discussing and breaking down chapters 17 through 20 of FCE's The Shadow of Kiyoshi. Just to let you know, there is a good chance we will be discussing spoilers for not only the previous novel, The Rise of Kiyoshi, but also for Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. However, you will be free from any spoilers regarding any Avatarverse comic books. Before we get into that, Kayla, how are you doing this week? Um, pretty good. You know, it's, uh, technically it's the third week of grad school, but for me, it's this, I call it the second week because let's face it, the first week doesn't count because you don't do crap. It's like syllabus stuff, mm-hmm. even when it's online. Um, but the first set of projects were not as bad as I thought they were, but you know, as soon as you get a minute to take a breath and be like, oh, that's over. And then you realize, oh crap, I have to do it all over again this week. Yeah. <sighs> so it goes the vicious cycle of schooling. But other than that, I am great. You know, I'm surviving. I have a, finally got a parking pass for my jobs. I don't have to walk to work every day. I love that. Oh, that's good. <sighs> parking is so hard to come by in Morgantown. And like, I came very yes. close to getting uh, a proper like parking pass for the building I work at. But they're like, because mm, you're a graduate assistant and therefore not a full-time worker, you can't have this parking pass. Why? Because I'm not a full-time worker, I guess. But you're still working there. I still work there. And you probably do the same amount of work as a full-time. I also pay tuition. That should be like double the reason to give me a freaking parking space. Oh, girl, I love when WVU made me pay $450 a year to park at the CAC. You know, the building where all my classes were. That made me so mad. $450 for a parking pass. Yep. Oh, my God. I'm probably going to have to pay the same for... I, I park at the um one of the garages downtown, and it's like 200 a semester, which isn't terrible, but it's, you know, I could have gotten a $30 a month parking pass for that building that yeah. I actually work at that I'm going to walk 10 minutes. I don't mind walking 10 minutes right now. Mm-hmm. I will probably won't even mind when the weather gets bad. However, Morgantown streets and roads can be fucking dangerous in the wintertime, which makes me a little nervous for when the weather gets cold. So Yeah. My sophomore year when I used when I lived at um U Place Apartments, mm-hmm. uh the parking garage pass was $75 a month, which works out to about nine hundred dollars for the year. In addition to the other parking pass you have. In addition to my CAC parking pass, yes. Now, it's like $200 a month. That's fucking absurd. It's crazy the way they price gouge the shit out of the university stuff. It's so fucking absurd. And it's absurd. so absurd because Morgantown in itself is a pretty cheap place to live. Yeah. But because the university is there, there there's such a giant disparity in the prices. It's, ugh, college is a scam, y'all. It's a fucking scam. I mean, get the degree, but it's a scam. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <sighs> but how are you doing? Anyway. You thoroughly bitched about the state of parking in Morgantown. <laughs> I'm incensed now. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited because I'm gearing up to go to one of my friend's weddings in Morgantown this weekend. Oh, yay! Yeah, and I'm really excited because um, they've, they've been engaged for like a year now, and we've, we've, we've all been really excited for her, so it's going to be great to like finally go see it. It's also like the first wedding that I've been to as like an attendee. I've usually only been to weddings to like play in them, so this will be my first time like just like going to a wedding and enjoying myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and we um I made plans. My boyfriend's coming with me. We uh 
made plans to go see Shang-Chi on Friday night um, since we'll already be there. And it's coming out on Friday. It comes out this week. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. No one really knows that because the movie, for some reason, is not getting as much marketing as it should. But we're, we'll not talk. We're not going to talk about that. Um, yeah. Um, wonder why. But yeah, yeah. Very excited for that. Also, it's the first uh, first day of September. Oh my god! Yes. Which means we're we're full throttle spooky season. I don't care what anybody says. We're in it. I mean, I saw a post. I saw a post on Facebook. It's like 31 days is not enough for Halloween. You got to extend it into September. And you know what? If people Absolutely. can start celebrating Christmas in November, like literally as soon as Halloween's over, some people start celebrating Christmas. And you know what? We should start celebrating Halloween in September. Absolutely. I still don't know what I'm going to dress up as for Halloween, though. Like my office dresses up for Halloween. So I got to like I got to dazzle people with this. Got to get so, on it. Got to get on costume it. suggestions in the DMs, please. And thank you. Also. If you're like me and love some Halloween decorations, go on Amazon. I know we don't like Amazon Jeff Bezos, but I got $150 worth of Halloween decorations and I got like 20 things and they're all like really cool things. Like if you're if you're into that sort of stuff, especially if you're a college student and you want to decorate the inside of your apartment for Halloween, that's a great place to do it. My apartment is already a mess. I feel like decorating my apartment will make it even messier. Well, I'll just carry the I'll just carry the Halloween spirit in my heart. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and this is my PSA to say don't spend money on at Spirit Halloween. That shit is is overpriced. It's great to go with your friends and it's like go, look at all the cool stuff. Vibe. It's yeah. great to go and vibe. I just go and I vibe. I should have just went to Spirit Halloween one day last year just for just literally so I can go for it. Like it was like a spiritual cleanse to go in there. <laughs> and try not to jump at the animatronics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you see something you really want and you feel like you can't get anywhere else, it's on Amazon. Um, but yeah. All right, on to the news. We have no big Avatar news. We have big podcast news. We have our newest Patreon member, Joe. Shout out to Joe. Uh, they will not only get the special shout out on the show, but they will also get access to our monthly episode schedule and a personal thank you from Andre and I. If you'd like to receive all of these benefits and more, consider subscribing to us at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast for as little as $1 a month. Yay. Welcome, Joe. Yes, welcome. All right. So should we get into it? Oh, there's just so many emotions in this section. Like every like section we found that like, it's like, oh my God, how's it going to get worse? How's it going to get worse? Yeah. And it just does. Every it time I finish does. a chapter, I was like, well, it can't possibly get worse. <laughs> And boy, was I wrong. Whew. There was just so many feelings. And not going to lie, I was like, you know, one minute I'm like emotionally devastated. Next minute I'm like, I was right about something. We'll find out why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Kayla was right about something. Let's start with chapter 17, <laughs> weakness. Um, so we're picking up right where we left off. Yun has just stabbed Heron. And all seems lost. And then a Heron summons the remainder of her strength and shoots a fireball at Yun, catches him in the shoulder, and he flees. Um, and in turn, sort of inadvertently, like, takes the dagger um, out of her throat. Kiyoshi rushes to Heron's side to stop the bleeding as Yun escapes from the building. Heron tells Kiyoshi to leave her and go after him because uh, she might not get this chance again. And Kiyoshi decides against it thinking of what Rongi would do uh, if she couldn't do everything in her power to save her mother. Um, and she decides to stay with her, and she runs to Atuat with a passed-out Heron in tow to see if they can't save her, essentially. They do. <laughs> they do. They do. I guess. Fine. 
But it's really cool. <laughs> I, this is perfectly, uh, perfectly in character for Heyron. Like she is not going out without a fight. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that FCE like explicitly says that Yun was like really shocked that she was able to do that. And I think with with all of this retribution in his heart, I think he still underestimates the people that taught him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Heyron is a world class firebender. Of course, she's going to. You know, go out quite literally in a blaze of glory. <laughs> it literally, <laughs> literally in a blaze of glory. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. We cut to Kiyoshi, Naihitha, and Jinpa. They're huddled up in in this uh, noodle shop in town. Jinpa says the fighting between the Seiwan and Kiyoso appears to have stopped, and Naihitha answers that the stalemate is only temporary as there are wounded people on both sides, and mentions that war in the Fire Nation is imminent. Fuck. Fuck. Uh, Kiyoshi then reminisces about how, um, you know, everything seemed to go to shit in the Fire Nation as soon as she showed up. And if that isn't just classic anxiety pessimism that you, Ooh. that you get, where it's like, oh, everything's my fault. Everything's, yep. I can't do anything right. You know, I mean, again, Kiyoshi is, if she might, she might have the veneer that she's always in control and knows what she's doing, but deep down, sometimes she just is really down on herself and really doubts herself. And I think that's makes, uh, that makes her interesting. Yeah. This is not the last time she has a thought process like this, though. No. Not, it, at least not in this section. Oh, you mean in every 20 <laughs> seconds of these next yeah. four chapters? <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, def- these four chapters should be titled The Trials of Avatar Kiyoshi. Mm. Um, Seriously. Uh, Atriwet comes down uh, saying Heyron is stable and that she wouldn't want to be Kiyoshi right now as both Heyron and Rangi are furious with her. Uh, Kiyoshi makes her way upstairs and Rongi is cold to Kiyoshi and Ooh. says that she can't believe she used, you know, her mother as bait. Kiyoshi tries to say that she tried to disagree with it, but um, Rongi said, you still knew about it, it and you didn't tell me. And she says from here on out that Kiyoshi is nothing to her and she storms off. And of course, when I read this, I was like, I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, that's it. I can't. I can't. My my feelings are hurt too much right now. I do, however, appreciate. I just love that. Uh, all that lighter note. Just love that the Ad- 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 speaks for all of us in a lot of cases, where yeah. she's just like, Ooh, I want to want to be you right now. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just had to. I mean, like, but we knew this was gonna happen. That like the you know something's gonna go wrong with the plan. Rangi's gonna get pissed at Kiyoshi, and rightfully so. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, oh, that's the one thing I hate about being right. <laughs> Keeping secrets never turns out well in books, unfortunately, no. or in real life. No. Thankfully, Heron comes to not only Kiyoshi's rescue, but our rescue. And she's communicating to her by way of chalk and a slate because she can't speak. And she tells Kiyoshi not to worry that Rangi will eventually forgive her because she loves her and that it usually takes uh, Rangi a week to forgive her. So, um, and Kiyoshi's like not really sure whether whether or not Heyron is just saying this to try to comfort her or if it's like actually true. Um, but then I was thinking, I mean, like, yeah, Rangi is a complete hothead. Of course, she's going to be angry about it. But I I don't definitely don't think this is like the end of them. But I don't know. No. We'll see. Um, well, considering the actions at the end of this, at the end of, you know, the next chapter, I'm just like, oh, God. You yeah. Know. Well, can I also say I appreciate that FCE is also willing to take the risk of 
at, at, at least temporarily separating Ronki and Kiyoshi in this way or putting this like divide in between them because, yeah. you know, they're people, they have conflicts as well. Like just because mm-hmm. they're a gay relationship doesn't mean like it's always happy sunshines all the time, you know? Yeah, so that, I is, think, that is definitely appreciated. Yeah, definitely appreciated. Yeah, as much as it hurts, I appreciate mm-hmm. it because it means yeah. I'm, it just means I'm emotionally invested in the relationship. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Heyron asks her, uh, what happened to Yun? Did you manage to find him? Kiyoshi says that he could be anywhere on the island or maybe even have gotten away from the island. And Heyron states that Yun is not only the cause for war as both this is not, sorry. Heyron states that Yun is not the only cause for war as both the Seiwan and the Kyoso clans will use today's events as a just cause for battle. And then this seems to stir something in Kiyoshi and a realization hits her. And I think, I don't know about you, but as the realization was coming to her, it was coming to me as well. And that's when you know a twist is like really well written because you're fi- you're realizing it at the same time as the protagonist. And the realization is that Yun has to be working for the Seiwan as everything he has done in the Fire Nation has strengthened the clan's position and weakened Zoryu's. So it's all starting to make sense. I mean, he was the one behind the the message in the crop fields. He was behind, um, obviously, behind the infiltration of the palace. And Heyron responds that if this is true, then Huazo and Chajin have been acting dishonorably this entire time, and that they would they would be considered co- conspirators and traitors. In which case, the other clans would no longer support them as they facilitated a foreign attack on their nation. However, Kiyoshi would have to gather proof to support this very, very uh, big claim. Um, so we got something in motion, finally. Something for a way to kind of diffuse this conflict for now. Um, and then I love this a little bit at the end. Uh, Kiyoshi makes to leave to go gather her evidence. And Rangi bursts in with a bowl of unflavored, dry-ass noodles raging that Kiyoshi hasn't eaten since yesterday afternoon. She thrusts the ball into her ar- into her arms, throws a pair of chopsticks to the ground at her feet, and then leaves. And it's it- like that... Have you seen that meme of, like, that uh, Pingu, the penguin, of, like, you know, like, putting, like, angrily making, like, a Valentine's Day card with, like, a hearts on it, just, like, angrily gluing it down? Yes. That's just wrongy right now, but just, like... Mm. Yes, that is so relatable when you're mad at someone, but you still want to take care of them. Yeah. It is so relatable. I love that for her. And then um Heyron says, you know, see, you know, she says that because Rongi loves Kiyoshi, Kiyoshi is her daughter and a member of the family. And, and I, I, that mm. that makes up for the 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 stuff between Rongi and Kiyoshi happening right now. And then Kiyoshi just sits down to eat the noodles and starts crying. And I mean, girl, same. I've never related more to Kiyoshi. Like, yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's chapter 17. Let's move on to chapter 18. Any thoughts, Kayla, before we move on? Um, Just so, I mean, like, I feel like the, the heartbreak got canceled out by that moment. But then it feels like we swing strongly to the left again with this, with how this chapter ends. Yeah. Chapter 18, Escalation. Oof. The next day, Jinpa and Kiyoshi fly over to where Yun has made the message in the Melanyam fields, and Kiyoshi, by way of tasting the dirt under the message, says that it's salty and that Yun must Yun must have planted salt uh, to wither the crops in that I message. I want to say real quick, one moment that made me laugh in this is like, so like Jinpa tells Kiyoshi, so where do you want me to land? Do you want me to land by hail or do you want me to land by <laughs> Fire Lord Change? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
and then uh, Ying Yang starts eating the dirt <laughs> instead of the actual like melon yams. And Kyoshi just eat Kyoshi eats dirt too, which I get why she does it, but you know, Jumpa was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> like, was the noodles was those nasty noodles you had not enough? <laughs> yeah, I almost th- I almost thought that um. Yun, because he's like defiled by the spirit of Father Glowworm, just had to like touch the crops to like make it wither or something. Like I thought that's what happened, but the salt thing is pretty cool as well. Yeah, I mean, like the Romans did that after they conquered an area. Like I think True. it was the Romans; they would salt the fields so nothing would grow there. Mm, interesting. After telling Heyron what she's discovered, she still doesn't believe it to be proof enough. She agrees that Yun must be conspiring with the Seiwan, but that the other clans will not believe it. So Kiyoshi resolves to get a confession straight out of Lady Huwazu. Kiyoshi notices Jinpa's silence at the suggestion to kidnap somebody, and he blithely replies that he will take Kiyoshi wherever she needs to go. So the next morning... Kiyoshi and Echuat meet with Lady Huazo and two of her guards. Uh, Kiyoshi interrogates her for Yun's location and tells her that she knows that Yun and the Seiwan are conspiring to overthrow Zoryu, but Huazo claims that she doesn't know what she's talking about and she doesn't know who Yun is. Completely incensed by her blatant lie, Kiyoshi bends a giant wave that separates Huazo's ship from the dock um, and she freezes the water so the ship is caught high in the air. There's also a moment here where Echuat is like, kind of awestruck by like her raw power um and i was like this is very this is very cora you know just kind of like (laughs) this giant bending feet to to intimidate somebody yeah Mm -hmm. kiyoshi tells her that she will take her to capital city and the same one leader instructs her soldiers to send messages to their clan and their allies letting them know about this injustice but not to start an armed conflict with Kyoso until she is freed. So she's spinning this story about how the Avatar is, uh, you know, just a bounty hunter for the Fire Lord and that she's being unjustly imprisoned. Um, so she's like just weaving this tale as we go along. Jinpa waits on Ying Yang's neck and Heron, having removed some of her bandages, but still feeling the pain of her wound, stands by the door. Just then, Rongi walks around the corner, demanding to know what is going on as she runs to Kiyoshi. And Kiyoshi, not expecting her to come around so early um, and not wanting her to get in the way, gently earthbends her into the ground halfway up to her shins so she can't go anywhere. Rongi is, of course, like, what are you doing? She's trying to break free, telling her to let her go. And Kiyoshi recalls how Heron said that her daughter, just honorable and kind, um, she may be, she believes in the values that the Avatar up- upholds and would never do anything immoral. She leans in and kisses Rongi on the top of her head and apologizes. And as she's flying away on Ying Yang, uh, she feels a great deal of pain as she hears the young firebender calling out her name. Oh, this hurts. <laughs> yes. I told you, just swing back to the left again would just hurt. <laughs> yeah. So on top of the Heron thing and doing this to her, I mean, they got a lot of stuff to work out, girl. Uh, couples therapy. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it for the right reasons. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone did anything wrong here. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't. Kyoshi was a really tough spot because if she told Rongi about Heron being bait. Obviously, she'd never agree to she it. She would never agree to it. Heyron wouldn't come and wouldn't be able to help. Get, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot right now. But we'll talk so, about chapters 19 and chapter 20 after we take this quick break. We'll see you guys after that. 
Hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. And we're back with a recap of chapters 19 and 20 of The Shadow of Kiyoshi. Chapter 19, The Companion. As Kiyoshi deals with Lady Huaso's complaints about, like, you know, wanting to have food, wanting to drink water, things like that, the conversation eventually switches to Huaso's previous relationship with Fire Lord Cheryu. Or how do you pronounce that again? Cheryu. Cheryu. Sorry, I'll try that again. Yeah. Um, after dealing with Lady Huaso complaining about, uh, you know, being hungry and needing water because of how dry the food is. Uh, the conversation eventually switches to uh, her relationship with Fire Lord Cheryu. She explains that the previous Fire Lord had dumped her because he could do better than her, and he did because the Seiwan clan was weak at the time, and being a Fire Lord's mistress was not great for one's reputation, especially when your clan was not exactly, you know, mm-hmm. the strongest at the time. Uh, he dumped her at a party where he met Lady Sulan, who is uh, Soryu's mother. Uh, she then laughs and recalls, like, well, that's unfortunate because I ended up being pregnant with his kid. Ooh! Like, <laughs> yeah, literally how she basically how she words it. Um, Kiyoshi then asks her, "Is like that's why you lash out against the Kyoso clan?" And Huas is like, "No, I'm not that petty." And then all she wanted was for the Seiwan clan to prosper through its rightful heir on the throne. She never really hated Sulan, even if she was too soft for court. Mm. She then tells Kiyoshi that Sulan unknowingly gave her son a name using a Seiwan sound instead of using one from her own clan, accidentally dishonored the Seiwan clan. Uh, which shocked her more than angered her. It's like the first syllable of Soryu's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which uh, means ancestor. And that was an act of dishonor, unintentional dishonor, which I guess is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Kiyoshi then says, oh, well, then I guess Cheiji would be your second chance at the throne. She's like, and then Huaza replies that, well, I do love my kid, but having him on the throne would definitely fix a lot of previous problems. And Kiyoshi um, even says that she would almost be happy to have Huazo as an ally, like as a mentor, you know, the fire lady and the avatar working together. Especially because like how she managed to pull the Seiwan clan from what it used to be into how powerful and influential it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she then, I remember like, she's like, then Kiyoshi tells us like, well, I guess if you hate Zoryu that much, like it's going to push things to war. You do realize that, right? And then she just smirks. She's like, well, I guess personal feelings tend to slip into duty. And she's basically implying that Kiyoshi struggles with the same thing, which she totally does uh, a little bit <laughs> with her personal feelings and all that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Which we see that. Um, Wasa then asks Kiyoshi about Yun, but seemingly for struggles to remember his name, which mm-hmm. that makes it, you know, a little, little, little shady, little sus. Kiyoshi then mentally thanks her for making her next move a lot easier. Uh, oof. That made me nervous as soon as I read that. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, what are you going to do now, girl? What's what's happening? Uh, they land at a hut out, uh, outside of the, on an island away from the uh, capital. And she tells her hostage to go make herself comfortable, leaving Jinpa and Kiyoshi alone. They then start talking, you know, uh, about how long they traveled together as, you know, as with him as her secretary and advisor. And Kiyoshi notices that she doesn't object when he sees her inflict violence on others for her missions. 
Jinpa then admits that he's part of another community as well as being an air nomads, the folks that he plays Pai Show with. Mm-hmm. And I had to resist the urge to scream vindication, like <laughs> Captain yeah. Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine for those who watch that show. Um, I mean, the definitely White Lotus told him that he should help her establish her avatar weight. Avatar, let's try that again. So definitely the White Lotus, or at least the first incarnation of this group, told him that he should help her establish her avatar in any way that he could, even if her actions go against his airbender values. Um, ooh, wow. He mm. then tells her, I believe I have to make pace with my own choices, just like everyone else. Yeah. So big, big, big line right there. Very uh, interesting. Yeah. Very. I, yeah. I definitely think, I feel like the White Lotus was was at this point was gathered because of the giant mix-up that happened with Yun and Kiyoshi. And because the White Lotus later on becomes the the group that is working to find the next avatar. Um yep. I'm wondering if like that's kind of like the the spark that lit the flame for the reason that they started the group. And as as well to kind of like you know, blur the lines between nations and elements and everything, you know? Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And the chapter ends with Kiyoshi spotting the Fire Nation capital and guiding Jinpa the rest of the way. Mm So, Ooh, boy. Here we go, guys. Buckle up. Chapter 20, The Edge. The chapter opens with Zoryu freaking out that Kiyoshi had kidnapped Lady Huazo. Uh, She then tells him that the Seiwan clan is conspiring with Yun. If she gets a confession, the other clans will not back them up anymore. And if she brings Chaijin, she'll get the confession out of both of them. Zoryu is just gagged by all of this. He's like, and uh, gagged. the fuck? Gooped, yeah. gagged, and some other G word. Gobsmacked. Um, and Kiyoshi essentially tells him to snap out of it because if his impo- opponents are willing to play dirty, then he needs to do the same. Zoryu says that if this plan to get a confession fails, then it'll make his downfall even worse and happen even faster. Um, Kiyoshi then replies to him that there's a saying among the destitute of the bossing say lower ring, the ones who are so poor that if they find a copper piece in the street, they take it straight to the gambling dens and the numbers rackets because a single coin won't make a difference in their survival. You either accept the risk of winning or the guarantee of losing. Period. Damn. Love that for her. That's the wise Kiyoshi coming out. That's like the Kelsong Kiyoshi coming out. Yeah. Yeah. She then asks Zoryu to bring Chaijin, and he agrees, but he tells her that she won't have a lot of time to get a confession out of him. As she leaves, Zoryu tells her that even if he isn't the strongest Fire Lord, he would do everything for the Fire Nation. Yeah. Not anything. Everything. everything. Yeah. Kiyoshi, Jinpa, and Chaijin travel to Yingyong, uh, uh, travel on Yingyong to, a, to the hut where she dropped off Guazo before. Uh, Chaijin tells Kiyoshi that by kidnapping him, she's made him a legend as the population will see him as a hero struggling with the injustice of others while being blessed by the spirits. Literally shut the fuck up. Oh my That's what God. I wrote. That's literally what I wrote in the show notes. At this point. Nauseating. <laughs> Just made my eyes roll to the back of my head. Uh, they arrive outside of the hut, which used to, turned out, used to belong to Jinju. And Kiyoshi tells him that Kwaza is waiting inside. He laughs thinking that she's joking. But then she fucking breaks the foundation with her earthbending, revealing his mother inside. Yeah. Oh, it's getting worse. Uh, Yingyong is too far away for Chaijin to reach his mother. Kwaza is pissed off that Kiyoshi had kidnapped her son and says that she doesn't know where Yun is. And Kiyoshi's like, oh, so now you remember his name? Mm-hmm. 
She then cracks the rock that she's standing on, almost sending her off the cliffside. Chaijin begs her to stop. Jinpa is even taken back by this because she originally was only supposed to scare them a little. She drops Huaza's stone a little further, and Jinpa's about to turn Ying Nong away, but Kyochi tells her tells him not to move or she will lose her grip. Chaijin assures her that they haven't been working with Yun and don't know where he is. She then grabs him by the neck and holds him over the saddle. Huazo begs him to let begs her to let him go. Uh, she says she'll ask one more time where Yun is, threatening to drop them both. Then all of a sudden, Kiyoshi hears Kurok's voice saying this is not who she is. Just getting worse and worse. Huazo and Chaijin cry, not wanting to watch the other die. Uh, she sees that they're both telling the truth, and she brings them to safety and yells them to go. She feels as if Jinju is laughing in her ear, or that Kelsong is sobbing upon seeing what she was about to do. God. Like, <sighs> so many feelings. Kiyoshi then feels this horrible pain and pukes into the ocean. Jinpa tells her to get a grip. She feels terrible and wants to apologize for almost killing two people for nothing. And for being mistaken about this conspiracy and almost making Jinpa an accomplice in what she was about to do. Kiyoshi then realizes how much worse she made the Kyoso and Seowon situation and the chapter ends. Okay, two things. <laughs> two things here. Yeah. What does Kurik need help with? At the oh, end so of now Rise of Kiyoshi. To show up? <laughs> yeah, at the end of Rise of Kiyoshi, he says, Kiyoshi, I need your help. Like. Are we ever going to find out what he needs help with? <laughs> yeah. He seems to come in at very random times. It's like, oh, so now you decide to show up? Yeah. Now you just, you couldn't have shown up earlier when, you know, before this madness started. Like... I want to I want to see um, a Monica skit of this moment of Yang Chen and Kirk watching Kiyoshi do this. And Yang Chen being like, you need to go stop her. You need to go like, go, go, go stop her. He's like, what? Oh, okay. I want to see her do that. If you're listening to this, please do it. <laughs> we want that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's that about? Does he need what's what does he need help with? I want to know. And also, don't we have like how many more sections? How many more chapters do we have left? We don't have a lot of the book left. No, we have two two more recaps left. Like, so how the fuck are they going to resolve all of this and figure out what Kurig wants with her? <laughs> I don't like, know. how is that going to happen instead of eight ish chapters? <laughs> My second thing was like. I don't think Kiyoshi was wrong about Yun. I feel like the final confrontation is leading to Yun and defeating him see, will probably end the conflict with the Chaos and the Seiwan, which tells me that he is involved with that somehow and his downfall would mean the end of that. So, and there is that thing of, you know, Huazo suddenly remembering Yun's name, you know? I'm just, I'm wondering if Kiyoshi... Kiyoshi's emotions got the best of her at this point, but maybe there's someone else in the the Seiwan clan that is working with Yun. Maybe Huazo doesn't know about it. I don't know. I don't think Kiyoshi is wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Again, with the salt, the stuff with like the salt in the fields, that makes sense to have Yun do that. Yeah. And also Yun being there during um, you know, the escalation of the conflict between the two clans. Yeah, I don't think so, there was like, there's any question he didn't do that. You know? Or maybe he just doesn't give a fuck about like sides in the situation and just wants to just wreak havoc and make things way harder for Kyoshi to deal with. Yeah. Um, Father Glowworm hates the Avatar. <clears throat> so, you know, but and I mean, also and he probably has some resentment left over, you know, plenty of resentment left over. Right, but 
trying to think from like a motivation standpoint, what motivation does Yun have to tear down Fire Lord Zoryu? Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's different with like a Lu Beifong who like actively was part of the reason why he was announced the Avatar. I mean, he did have a friendship with Zoryu, but I don't see any reason why Yun would want to topple him as the Fire Lord. Yeah. And again, I don't apart from like the Avatar thing, why would Yun be in conflict with Kyoshi? I mean, they are in conflict because Yun is going after the people that she loves, but I, apart from the fact that, you know, Kyoshi is the actual Avatar, what quarrel does Yun have with her? Because that's not technically her fault. And he, it's, it's, I'm not going to say he's like thinking logically here because he is kind of somewhat possessed at this point, but mm-hmm. it's like, so if he doesn't want to topple Fire Lord Zoryu, does he just want to make Kiyoshi look bad and be like, this is like, you know, if I was the Avatar, this wouldn't happen. Like, is that what he's doing? I, I don't know. It's, it's very just... interesting. <sighs> <sighs> we're, we're getting into the, the final confrontation very soon here. Um, yeah. Turning the corner. This is. Yeah. Lots of tension. Like, how, the, how the fuck are we going to get out of this? <laughs> yeah. Lots of tension. Cool. Alrighty, let's move on to Fandom Corner. Um, where did you find this, Kayla? Is this another Tumblr find? Yes, this is. Uh, technically, the post is from Tumblr, but it was a screenshot put on Facebook. Cool. All right. So they don't have an author name on there. <laughs> right. So it's the screenshot of um, the flashback episode, uh, The Storm, where we're flashing back to Zuko and Ozai's duel and the moment where Ayo says, I looked away. And the person under this says, I was thinking a lot about this moment. Somehow it feels like the Agni Kai was a watershed moment, not only for Zuko, but also for Iroh. I think this is something that Iroh is intensely ashamed about. And it is the source of all the patience he has with Zuko and his, and his determination to make things right for him. Because Zuko's scar is not just a testament of Ozai's cruelty as a father, but is a scar on the soul of the entire Fire Nation. Their supreme ruler publicly mutilates his own son, a 13-year-old child who merely spoke the truth about a nation that in a quest for power has lost perspective on the worth of human life, and everyone cheers. The scarring and humiliation of the young prince, who should be really the symbol of the future to his people, is a grotesque public spectacle. And Iroh, who was next in line to leading these people, former great war hero, one of the most powerful benders and still one of the nation's leaders, all he can do is to look away. The boy who spoke the truth, who stood up who stood up for kindness, who tries to do the right thing, who refuses to fight his own father, who begs for forgiveness, he faces completely alone his horrible punishment, and nobody speaks up for him. And I think this is Iroh's moment of truth, that disagreeing privately is not enough. He cannot look away anymore. He realizes that healing this boy could be the chance to heal the Fire Nation, that he is maybe destined to be their leader but not from the throne of the Fire Lord. He has to get Zuko through this trauma and show him kindness, love, and acceptance in a way he has never experienced it. He has to teach him that speaking up and saying sorry should not and will not lead to harsh punishment, that kindness is not weakness and cruelty is not strength, that honor is not violence, but doing the right thing. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah. I it's never yes. thought about Zuko being like the soul of the Fire Nation. Yeah. I mean, I kind of oh, I kind of saw him as like maybe like almost the savior of it 
or the future of it. I definitely thought of him as like the future of it for sure. And he is the future of it. Yeah. Um, but like, didn't think of it like as, uh, as him being like a literal, you know, and, and body, you know, being the embodiment of its soul. I did not even think of it that way before. Yeah. And I, I also guess I, I never really like delved into why Iroh seemed to be this caring to Zuko. I just thought that's just how he was. I didn't even think about like this moment where it says like, you know, privately disagreeing isn't enough. You know, I didn't even think about the motivation of why Iroh would want to look after Zuko. Um, Cause he just, again, they both start the story at the same time. So you just kind of accept the fact that he's already there. You don't, sometimes you don't think why, you know, how did we get here? But yeah, that's this. And when I said this is when really I sent this to when I sent this to you, like all you did was just reply, "Wow, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah." I I love when people write shit like this. This is just so good. It's I, honest, honest to God, I think this is one of our best fandom corners that we've had. Oh yeah, like one of the best for sure. I, mean, I was half considering like maybe changing it because there's just so much heavy stuff going on, uh, heavy emotional stuff going on in this episode. I'm like, you know what? We can keep chucking through because this is so good. Yeah, absolutely. But oh, yeah, goodness. shout out to whoever wrote this. This is an ab- seriously. I don't know who wrote find. this because the author, the, the username was not on there. Um, but seriously, shout out to whoever wrote this. Incredible job. Awesome. All right, let's pivot over to our recommendations. So, Andre, what do you recommend this week? I'm bringing you something once again to utilize in your uh, home office space. Um, So my desk is, I got it on Amazon for like $90. I love it. The only thing I really disliked about it was that the top was glass, which means you can see fingerprints galore. And no matter how many times you clean it, it's going to show up in like a day or two, all the fingerprints. So I was like, I really want to get something to cover it. And so my boyfriend suggested getting contact paper and it's essentially like peel and stick stuff that you can put to it and you can kind of see it patrons can kind of see it this used to just be black glass after it i put this like uh, brown wooden contact paper and it changes the, com- the the whole vibe of the space i love it it was super easy to get on um it's it's a little hard to get out the air bubbles but you don't really see them especially if it's like a textured contact paper you don't really see them you don't notice them Um, but it's super easy to get on and it's a really easy, quick way to kind of like change up your space a little bit, especially if you're working from home and you, you need some, you know, just a, a, you know, a little refreshing thing here and there in your space. Um, and it's also very cheap too. It was like $15 on Amazon for a whole roll of it. Um, and I still have some leftover. So, you know, I would definitely recommend that. Nice. Well, mine is kind of a mine's kind of two things but wrapped into one project it's halsey's if i can't have love i want power it's her new album and she even released a movie uh to go along with it so like, yeah she released a whole ass movie which you drove well. to pittsburgh to see right i drove to pittsburgh to <laughs> yeah. go see um i will say the movie did kind of confuse me with some of the story but i just like you know what might just be too artistic for me to understand what's going on here but <laughs> i can see but like the visuals were awesome uh the makeup and the costuming was also amazing and the music um it's very like if you listen to castle by halsey the whole album is castle essentially like a little bit of punk it's a little bit of punk it's a little bit of you know like just epic dark fantasy kind of feel to it and i just love it when there's a story like you know an overt kind of storyline going through the 
music that I'm listening to. Yeah. Um, and I think all of the music videos from the movie are available on YouTube now, but just very different vibe for Halsey and I love it. Um, and if I, if I promise my favorite songs are, uh, girl is a gun. Uh, I'm not a woman. I'm a God. And, uh, darling aunts are some of my favorites. Um, but oh, no skips on this though. <laughs> There's no skips. It's just very cool. It's just very much the dark fantasy, like, you know, they're, you know, like, fuck you know fuck the patriarchy like i'm gonna be a dark queen demon like oh it's just so cool <laughs> Love that. that's what i that's what i recommend for this week cool the movie and the uh album itself all righty and as always if you'd like some extra avatar hour in your life subscribe to our exclusive patreon at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast for some amazing benefits including access to our google docs our ad-free avatar hour and of course, our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. So you can follow us on social media at on Twitter at Avatar Hour and at the Avatar Hour podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Cool. And if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, feel free to record your theories or any feedback about the show on the Voice Memo app on your phone and email them over to the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com. And that wraps up our episode for the week. We only have two more recaps left of The Shadow of Kiyoshi. What's going to happen next? How will we be emotionally devastated? How are they going to tie up all of these loose ends? What the fuck's going to happen next? We'll find out in a few <laughs> episodes. Oh, my God. Thank you all so much again for listening and for listening every week. We will see you next time. Until then, my name is Kayla. And I'm Andre. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.